Welcome to the Fully Known Podcast. I'm your host, Olivia Mead, and today we're continuing our series called Sisters, Stories from Women of the Church. Just a reminder, if you're new here, each episode we feature two stories. First, we open our Bibles and turn to Scripture for direction. Then I sit down with one of my friends as she shares her story. The purpose behind this is simple. The heart cannot love what the mind does not know. You have to know God before you can make Him known. We pray that you learn and love accordingly. So in today's teaching, we're going to be studying Deborah. Deborah was the first and only recorded female judge in Israel. She's introduced actually in the book of Judges, and I have to say, Judges is a pretty odd book. Um, There's talk of cutting off someone's thumbs and big toes, and then there's this guy Ehud who kills one of the kings, and because the king was so fat, he actually lost his sword in the guy's belly. Um, Yes, that really happened, and yes, it is very weird. So this all happens just in the first three chapters. Um, If you're going to read the book of Judges, buckle up, because it's pretty interesting. But anyway, the overall message conveyed through having judges in Israel was to make it clear that the people needed to cast their dependence on the one true God. Some judges were great leaders, others were pretty terrible, and the moral of the story is that the people just followed blindly. After the death of a judge, it was almost certain that rebellion would break out among the Israelites. They were a wayward people, and they longed after the leadership of a person, um, but it was leadership that only God could provide. Paul actually talks about this in the New Testament in Galatians chapter 3, where he says, The law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith meaning the judges and the law were pointing to the need for a perfect prophet, a perfect priest, and a perfect king that we find only in our perfect Savior. So although the Israelites were rebellious and a bit whiny, God was faithful to them still, and he gave them judges to help rule and lead and try to point them in the right direction, one of those judges being Deborah. In the book of Judges, chapter 4, which is where we actually meet Deborah, Verse 4 says, Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at the time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. In Deborah's role as a judge, she prophesied and instructed the people with faithful discernment. Continuing on in chapter 4, her story continues, and she calls for Barak, who was a military leader in Israel, and she's talking to him and actually instructs him to go to war with Sisera. And Sisera was this guy who was actually the lead general of King Jabin's army. King Jabin of Canaan had taken control of the Israelites. You can read about that in the first three chapters of the book of Judges. Uh, But he had taken control over the Israelites, and God actually gave him control of the Israelites. But he was making their lives miserable. They lived in fear every single day. They, um, Scripture actually says they wouldn't even come out of their homes. So it was um, a very discouraging and scary time for the Israelites. And King Jabin, not only did he have a fierce military leader in this man, Sisera, 
but his army was very large and much more technologically advanced than that of the Israelites. Yet Deborah, who was the judge and prophetess at the time, she proclaimed they must go to war. On paper, this was a losing battle, and it sounded pretty ridiculous. But Barak believed Deborah's prophecy was of the Lord, and he knew they must go to war. But he had one condition. This is a little odd. He says to Deborah in verse 8, If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. So he's basically saying, Okay, Deborah, we can do this, but you're going to have to go with me. Although Deborah was a leader among the people, she was not a military leader, so it was not required nor even expected of her to physically go to war. But Barak was hesitant, and Deborah knew that the Lord would lead them to victory no matter what, so she agreed. But in her agreement, however, she had another prophecy for Barak. We find that in verse 9. I will surely go with you, Deborah says, but nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. Hold on to that one. We'll come back to it a little later. So Deborah and Barak and 10,000 other men of Israel set out to rage war on Sisera and his army of 900 iron chariots. You can read the full story of battle in verses 12 through 24 in chapter 4. But in short, just as Deborah prophesied from the Lord, the underdog Israel prevailed over King Jabin and his army. Every single person in that army was killed except for Sisera. Now remember what Deborah said to Barak about not getting credit for the defeat of Sisera. Here is where things get a little interesting. So Sisera survived the battle, and he fled to find respite. He found himself at the tent of Jael, the wife of a guy named Heber, who was an ally of King Jabin, so he should be safe there. Jael invited Sisera in to rest and hide from the Israelites, and she actually went above and beyond to care for this guy. She got him a glass of milk when he only asked for water, and then she tucked him in nicely so he could rest from battle. So she was really taking care of him. And then as he fell asleep, she was supposed to be watching the entrance of the tent while he rested. But listen, homegirl had a plan of her own. Scripture tells us that she took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand. Then she went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple until it went down into the ground while he was lying fast asleep from weariness. So he died. And behold, as Barak was pursuing Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and said to him, Come, and I will show you the man whom you are seeking. So he went into her tent, and there lay Sisera, dead, with the tent peg in his temple. So guys, if your lady offers you a glass of milk and tucks you in before bed, you might want to sleep with one eye open. But seriously, Jael not only killed the most powerful military leader in the region, but she killed the final remaining member of King Jabin's army. This in turn sparks a revolution in the Israelites, and God eventually leads them to conquer King Jabin and Canaan all together. 
The story of Deborah and Jael is wild, but it's so significant. And if anyone tells you that the Bible is boring or it it isn't interesting, I want you to point them to the book of Judges because there's a lot of random action in there um, that you may not expect. But it is very significant. Deborah was an unconventional leader who prevailed because of her willingness to hear the Lord and obey his commands. This cannot be said of most of the judges we read about in the Old Testament. And then she had no business going to battle, but went anyway, because she knew God would keep his promise. Her prophecy proved true, not only in the Israelites' victory, but also in that Barak did not get to take credit for the defeat of Sisera and his army. It was, in fact, a woman named Jael who ruthlessly killed Sisera and was used by God to plummet Israel to victory over King Jabin. Our jobs may seem small and insignificant, but God has called us to this kingdom work. You may feel like your daily acts of obedience are not noticed, but God sees you. I promise he sees you. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom or a CEO, your faithfulness matters. Not just for you, but for the kingdom. We're invited to take part in this story and get a front row seat to see God move. I pray that we watch with eager hearts and work with faithful hands as God brings his kingdom come here as in heaven. All right, guys, now I'm heading into my conversation with my friend, Heather Cook. Heather and I met last year and became fast friends. She is someone who I so much enjoy getting to talk to and hang out with, and we really don't get to see each other nearly enough. So it was really nice to sit down with her today and talk about everything from marriage to counseling, trauma, mental health, um, some childhood wounds that she's had to learn how to deal with. And we touch a little bit on church burnout also and what it looks like to transition from doing a lot of things in ministry to taking a little bit of a break and um, resting and, and seeing what her next season looks like for her and her husband and their family. I'm really happy to bring this episode to you all. I know um, that many of you know and love Heather, and you're going to really enjoy our conversation. So without further ado, here is my conversation with my friend Heather Cook. So today I'm sitting down with my friend Heather. Hey, Heather. Hello, How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm actually doing really good right now. Mm -hmm. Got your coffee. (laughs) Got my coffee. Yeah. So why don't you start off and tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Heather Jo Cook. Mm -hmm. Heather Jo. Heather Jo. Um, Don't call me that, though, because that's when I know I'm in trouble. (laughs) Um, I am 32, married to Jason Cook of 10 years, going on on 11. Um, I'm mama to a little boy named Benjamin, who is five going on six, and... It's wearing me down. Mm-hmm. It's okay. wearing me down. He's pretty so. high energy, isn't he? He is, yeah. He, from the moment his eyes open in the morning, like, he's nonstop until they close at night. And he hates naps. Oh. Um, on Valentine's Day, it was the sweetest. Um, he sometimes likes to still sleep with us, and mm-hmm. he rolled over and put his arm around me, and he said, Happy Valentine's Day, Mom. I care about you. And it was oh, the sweetest thing. And I then care he, like, then he rolled over and said the same thing to Jason. And then he, like, jumped off of me, like, jumped onto me to jump out of the bed and, like, went wild and just 
Valentine's Day. Like, so you had a nice, sweet little moment. Oh, it was. Yeah, he's sweetest when he wakes up, and when he's going to bed, and then all the in between that is uh, rough, rough. Mm-hmm. So, what else do you do? Uh, so, I work um, with WVU Extension Service. I'm a health educator, um, and pretty much what that means is I do. Um, a lot of healthy cooking classes for families um, with little kids just to kind of teach them healthy habits, um, get them moving and active. And we do a lot of school gardening stuff and just a lot of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. So That's really fun. Yeah, it is. What uh, counties do you do that in? Uh, I cover Lincoln and Boone counties, and I work a little bit with my coworker in Cabell County. So that's uh, like we're getting ready to gear up for a big community garden project for the summer that we did last year. That's and we're so really fun. We're really pumped about it. If you've never gardened before, don't do it. It's no joke. Oh, no, I it's like really fun. I, so I, my experience, like my grandparents had a garden when I yeah. was young, yeah. but I never got to work in it because I was too young, probably. Yeah. And then um, a few years ago, I decided I was going to do some container gardening mm-hmm. on my front porch, mm-hmm. and um, a farmer in Lincoln County. Um, kind of encouraged me to do that and that's like that was the extent of my gardening experience and then like we get on this big farm with a couple acres of chilled up land and it's like no joke yeah it's a lot more work than you. it's like yeah you're like flopping in the bean bushes and yeah um it's just it's it it changes your outlook on gardening and your appreciation of your fruits and vegetables and the work that goes into it to getting it for sure I think for me it's been good for my faith too it's been really yeah it's been really good and really fun how so is it good for your faith um just uh so I've been a Christian for as long as I can remember you know I went to church as a little girl my mom took us to church and stuff and um but the last few years like I've um it's a terrible term, faith crosses. I've had like a faith crosses and yeah. um, like just being able to plant something and watch it grow. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the reward and the harvest of that has been really rewarding. And it's um, just encourages me a lot in my faith. Like when yeah. you, especially when you share the gospel and share Jesus with somebody, mm-hmm. like kind of gives you a newfound. It does. Understanding that of growth. And, yeah, absolutely. So it's yeah. been fun. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so that's your job. What else do you do? Um, what else do I do? So I am. Uh, I host the podcast with New Heights Church. Yep. That's where I am a member at right now, and that's where my family goes to worship. So I'm hosting the podcast with Pastor Will and Pastor Jeremy and um, kind of stepping into some new love and new roles in women's ministry, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of the opposite of what the last 10 years has looked like for me because I was in youth ministry. So, yeah. um, so it's been really fun and really interesting and really scary and <laughs> all the, all the things it's been all the things. So, uh, we host a life group at our house, um, on Wednesday night. So, um, um, doing a lot right now yeah sister daughter mm -hmm. you're a um seasoned podcaster so oh yeah oh yeah i'm a little intimidated 11 11 episodes (laughs) under my belt (laughs) well this is four so you're catching up to me four so you're a little little further ahead (laughs) um so you and i kind of 
met met like um I don't know I would say like last fall yeah and I remember um meeting you for coffee mm-hmm. and before we met for coffee I we have some mutual friends and they connected us yeah and everyone who um like gave me your number said hey reach out to Heather you know we had a project we were working on and she'll be great to help you with this everyone said you're gonna love her <laughs> you're gonna love Heather <laughs> And oh I did love you, you and did I love do me. love you. Oh, that's um, great. So, I love you. so when we met for coffee, uh, I had blocked out, I don't know, an hour. Oh my in gosh. My yeah. And we were like, I don't, we were like three hours. It I was at know. least I'm three sorry. hours. This yeah. happens to me all the time. Um, <laughs> but it was at least three hours. So, and you got a big coffee. Like you yeah, had your large coffee when I got there. So I was like, okay, I probably should go ahead and get a large yeah. too. Like we're going to be yeah. here. We're going to be here. She's settling in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, <laughs> I didn't realize how um, much we would connect so quickly. Yeah. And I'm really glad that we got connected and that we've been able to really become friends. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but when we met that day, we talked about, you know, how like you kind of ease into a conversation and then you just like go places. Yeah. Um, so we talked a lot about marriage. Yeah. And, we did. That was really, um, just for me personally, really encouraging to hear part of your story. You've been married longer than I have um, and been through some tough seasons and have come through um, in a beautiful way. So I would like for you to share a little bit about that um, with us and with the listeners. And so we can just kind of talk a little bit about what that journey has been like for you and Jason. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Jason and I have been married 10 and a half years. July will make 11 years. And um, I'm from Logan County originally. So um, we actually met at the church camp in Salt Rock that we grew up at. Yeah. Um, we both went to United Baptist Churches and um, they had a, they have a church camp there. And um, so we were... Um, we were boyfriend and girlfriend at church camp, but it was when we were adults and not teenagers and yeah. young love. Um, so we got, um, we dated a year, we're engaged a year, um, got married, um, moved to Barbersville because that's where he's from. And he's a, he was a preacher at the time. So we were, um, he was doing ministry in Lincoln County. He was a pastor of a church, um, in Lincoln County. And, um, about a month or two into our marriage, we um, we moved churches. We we went to another church where he could be assistant pastor mm-hmm. um, and be on uh, be you know just do ministry with a, a two other guys. Um, yeah. And so that was where um, kind of my adult ministry began. Um, I've really struggled. Um, I like looking back now, like I can see it very clearly. Like I struggled. Um, trying to find my place because I didn't know a lot of people in the church. I knew a few couples that I grew up with and that were from Logan and stuff uh, that we were very close to, but, um, just the expectations of what a pastor's wife or a preacher's wife should be. Um, Mm -hmm. like I think even before we were married, like that was, it was a lot. Like I saw what my pastor's wife had done through the years and the role she had in the church. And so, um, I went into our marriage with a lot of baggage. Um, I had a kind of a traumatic childhood and came from a broken home and um, didn't really have a good example of what communication looked like between a husband and a wife and Mm -hmm. wasn't good myself at communicating my feelings. Um, So um, a way for me to avoid the hurt and the confusion of like where I fit in, like 
I dove head deep into ministry, mm-hmm. um, into Just kids, try to work it away. into kids ministry. Yeah. So like for me, I like to be busy. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I have to be busy all the time. Um, and I don't think that was necessarily what, you know, looking back, it's so hard to look back at it because I really don't think that's what God intended for me to do. Um, that was just a me thing. That was a coping, a coping skill that I had developed through the years, just yeah. being busy because if you're busy, you can't sit and think about the things and you can't right. slow down to, to look at what's wrong and cause you're so busy, you can't. So, mm-hmm. um, I started, um, we were directing a teen church camp through the summer, a week-long church camp um, for teenagers. Um, teen ministry was really where I kind of just got knee-deep in, and yeah. I loved it. Um, for me, I had started in teen ministry before Jason and I got married at my home church and was helping uh, teach um, a teen, um, teen youth group class. Um, so teen ministry was something that I really loved. Um, the reason that I really loved it um, was because growing up in church, I was pretty much the only teenager my age. So a lot of times, like, I would um, be in a class. Like, I was very much still going to youth group and stuff, and mm-hmm. they still had, you know, a teen class or whatever. So, um, I, like, I was pretty much the only one my age. And um, they were more focused on the younger kids because Mm -hmm. I was there and they thought that was great. So, um, I kind of just, um, I tried to just fit in and help where I could and not really worry about me and minister to my, you know, didn't worry about anybody else ministering to my, to my needs as a teenager. And, um, so I kind of let my identity get wrapped up in that, like being the helper and not Mm -hmm. being the one to get help. Um, and that really followed me into my marriage, like baggage wise. Um, so Jason and I were married um, 2009, dove knee-deep, you know, head deep and got knee-deep in youth mm-hmm. ministry. And, um, you know, we were married five years, and he was so busy because um, we were trying to start some new ministry things at the church and just trying to really make a difference. We were in Lincoln County, and we had moved out there to be closer to our church, and um we were both just trying to really make a difference in the community that we lived in because we love the people so much and we mm-hmm. saw the need. Um, we saw the need. So we just really, for about five years or so, just really avoided each other in our marriage. Um, I think he would agree with that. He's 100% okay with me talking about this because <laughs> it's more me that had the issues than Surprise, him. Surprise, Jason. We're going to talk Jason, about you. We're talking about you. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it was mostly me. Um, and, you know, when he did when he did want to, um, he, he <laughs> I hate to even say this, He's he loves to talk about feelings and he mm-hmm. loves to just talk and work through things and um that's kind of the opposite of what most marriages are it's usually yeah. the lady who you know prefers to do that and the male is usually what my role was <laughs> um and I was just an avoider and um so for me a big thing um like attachment it has always been an issue for me abandonment and attachment and um so five years into our marriage we um got pregnant and, um, we had, you know, we had purposefully been intentional about waiting a while to be married a while just to enjoy each other. And, um, so about five years into it, we, um, we were pregnant and, um, ended up having a miscarriage about 10 weeks into the pregnancy. Mm. And, um, I did what I always did. Um, 
I had a miscarriage. You know, I was told on a Friday that I was having a miscarriage. I had a death in my family, so I had to go. Um, I had to go to Logan for a funeral. I had a procedure done on Monday, um, and I went to church on Wednesday and acted like nothing happened. Did you tell anyone? Oh yeah, our, our pregnancy community? was very um, okay. So they very public. Knew. We had put okay. it on Facebook mm-hmm. because we were so excited. Yeah, yeah. And um, ten weeks is. I mean, yeah. Um, so, so um, I didn't have the the um, usual miscarriage. Like mm-hmm. I went into my appointment and um, had no idea. Had no idea, oh, and man. they couldn't find a heartbeat. And they're like, "Oh, well, just go get an ultrasound." You know, the baby's just probably hiding around, mm-hmm. and maybe, and so then the ultrasound tech was just like, "Oh, the baby's, yeah, mm-hmm. the baby hasn't had a heart week for weeks, heartbeat oh, for man. weeks." So it was very. Um, oh gosh, it was it was so rough. Yeah. Um, Were you alone at that appointment? I was because um, I remember. You know, I remember everything. Jason would disagree, but <laughs> I mean everything in life, not just this. But um, we only had uh, one of our cars was down, like mm. something was going on with one of our cars, and um, so I was doing um, I was doing some clinicals for school, and I went straight from my clinicals to that appointment, and I told mm-hmm. you know I was like, it's okay, it's just just a routine, just a routine. You know, this is just my routine, ten week checkup. It's not a big deal, and. Um, like I think, I, which it was a terrible way to do. It. I think I texted him and told him, um, like because they take they took me in this room yeah. after my ultrasound, and then and, you're sitting there, and I'm sitting there like 15 or 20 minutes yeah. waiting on the doctor. And um, I knew my nurse because she lived in Lincoln County too, and she was mm-hmm. like crying more than I was and upset. And I was like, "You've got to stop, or I'm not going <laughs> to be able to drive home. You've got yeah. to, you have to stop." Yeah. Um, but so it was, um, it was a really traumatic. Um, it was a really traumatic thing for our marriage. I mean, we already, um, we already had a rough marriage because, you know, not rough in a sense that, um, I was avoiding a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And so both of us just kind of threw ourselves into ministry to avoid our problems at home. And, um, then I, you know, I really didn't let Jason be there for me during my, during our miscarriage. And, um, it was just really rough. It was a rough, rough season. Um, so a year later, um, we got pregnant with Benjamin. And, um, you know, I, it, which that was rough too because if you've ever had a miscarriage, it, I, it, it, you don't have to have a miscarriage. Just just the fear of something happening yeah. to your baby. Like right. if you don't feel it move for a while or something, you know. Yeah. We, we all either have been affected by it or we know somebody who's been affected by a miscarriage or something. And um, just it's just a scary thing. Um, and you really can't know until you go yeah. to the doctor. So, yeah. um, so I kind of let the fear of um, our, our first, you know, first pregnancy still the joy of my second pregnancy with mm-hmm. Benjamin. And um, it wasn't until so we had Benjamin in 2014. Um, and I specifically remember um, I said all of that to say this. I'm getting to the point, people. I promise. Um, in December 2015. Um, we took Benjamin to my mom's house and on the way back from Logan, I just remember like Jason had asked me several times to do counseling to kind Mm -hmm. of work through my stuff. And, um, I had even made a counseling appointment and saw a counselor in Huntington twice. 
and like just my, alone yeah alone personally yeah. Hadn't, yeah yeah um so because I knew that I needed to work through some personal things to to work on our marriage and um then I sat in the parking lot <laughs> for two appointments with that counselor um mm-hmm. just because I wasn't ready yeah I wasn't so you didn't ready. go in so I didn't go I went to uh, the first two appointments yeah and it was just too much it was yeah. too much and um it was hard yeah so I just sat in the parking lot the last two appointments that I had scheduled with her. And Jason knows that. I've, t- yeah. I've had to confess that to him since then. But um, we were coming home, and um, we were having a conversation. And I, I think I actually started the conversation, and I was like, hey, you know, he had mentioned marriage counseling, that he would do counseling with me um, if that was what it took. Um And this wasn't something that we were talking about every day. It was Mm -hmm. something like every few months whenever Mm -hmm. things weren't getting better, you know, you might mention it. And to me, like, um, this was a term that we learned in counseling when we started marriage counseling. Like, for me, when anything is, like, controversial, you fight, flight, or freeze. And Mm. to me, I was just freezing and shutting down. And I just couldn't, could not communicate to him, like... But um, I remember being so scared talking, like on that um, on that day, on that day coming back from Logan. Like I truly knew that he was not happy in our marriage, um, and the fear of being left by mm-hmm. him, the fear of him leaving me, that fear of abandonment is what really made me okay. You have to do this. If you do yeah. not do this, your your husband is going to leave you, or you're not going to have a marriage because we, you know, Mm -hmm. we had talked before about, um, you know, I came from a broken home, uh, divorced parents, and we talked about how divorce was not something that we wanted for our family. You know, it's something we never joked or talked about, like even, you know, with our friends and stuff like that, we never said that because to me, that was a very serious thing. Yeah. I'd lived through that and, um, wasn't something we joked about or threw up or anything like that, even Mm -hmm. in a playful way. Mm -hmm. And, um, like, I just remember being so scared that he was going to leave me um, or that he wasn't going to be happy in her, you know, that we were just going to live this loveless mm-hmm. forever marriage forever and none of, you know, neither of us be happy. So yeah. it scared me so bad that, um, he, you know, he told me, he's like, you have to take the initiative. You have to call and make the appointment. Um, you know. Yeah. Um, so I called the, next, the following week. And I made an appointment, and we started seeing a marriage counselor. Um, we It was like two weeks, maybe two or three weeks after that conversation. Um, it was on Martin Luther King Day um, in 2016, and we started marriage counseling. Um, How often did you go? Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, you had, we did this first initial assessment, like uh-huh. online assessment. Um, and our counselor um, liked to use the Gottman meth- method. Um, that's the method he prefers for marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. And we did our first ass- essential assessment um, online, and then we met together, and he talked about how we were going to do one session. Like, he would meet with Jason, and then he would meet with me on separate occasions. Mm-hmm. And then we did marriage counseling. Gosh, we started doing it twice a month. So every mm-hmm. other week we were doing it. Yeah. Um, and um, as we, you know, as we were working on our marriage and doing better, uh, I think probably about six or eight months into it, we started doing once a month. And then about a year into it, we started doing like once every other month. Mm-hmm. And we've since graduated marriage counseling. So we, we, um, we graduated marriage counseling last summer, I believe. Yeah. 
Um, what were some of the initial changes that you started seeing, like in those first, you so, said six to eight months? So for me, um, you know, bec- rightly so to Jason was very frustrated. I mean, we were six years into our marriage. Right. And we hadn't had a decent conversation. Like, even if I was mad at him about something, I would never tell him. I would just react Mm -hmm. in a mad way to him. So Mm -hmm. maybe I would not talk to him about something. Um, Or, you know, just act like I was... I I, I would be upset with him for days about something. And then I wouldn't tell him what I was upset about or, you know, give him a chance to write something that may have been wrong. But Mm -hmm. So a big change that I saw, um, we talked a lot about... um, we talked a lot about the trauma from my past and how um, Jason having a good startup for conversation. I needed to be able to feel safe in the conversation and not mm-hmm. like he was going to blow up or um, which he never, which he never did. I mean, he's such a good, loving, gentle person, and he's been so patient and loving and so f- given me so much grace and forgiveness throughout all of this. But, um, but you had that fear. Yeah, I just no had that who fear. It was, and you were talking and to for you. me, like what I was afraid of was that I would say the wrong thing, or we'd have a fight, and he'd leave. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was better to keep it inside mm-hmm. than to say it, to let it out, yeah, and get mad. Because that was not something we did in my family growing up. Right. When people got mad, they never said sorry. And then we pretended like it never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't have a good, healthy example of, of what that looked like, that it's okay to get mad at your spouse and, you know, even say ugly things. Mm-hmm. But you just have to say sorry, too. You know, right. you have to be the big person, the bigger person. Yeah. It doesn't even have to. Be, you don't even have to be the bigger person. I mean, you just have to own, mm-hmm. own your crap. And um, so for me, Jason... Jason worked so hard, and that was the big thing, like, um, for him learning how to kind of go into a conversation and kind of use what kind of words to start a conversation with me. It was still very hard for me, um, and I was very emotional at times, and mm-hmm. I and I really am not, I really wasn't an emotional person because I kind of just kept everything inside. So um, we worked really hard really hard in marriage counseling and um I remember Jason he used to I think he probably felt bad for me like my anxiety was so bad when we would go to counseling like I would um I started using essential oils for anxiety and I'd be like just rubbing it rolling like you know so I'm driving from Lincoln County I'd be like rolling it from my wrist to my elbow and like on the back of my neck and ears and stuff like even under my nose sometimes just so so I'd do this like on the way listening to podcasts and stuff and then like I'd pick him up at work and we'd cause it was just a couple blocks away from where he worked our counselor was and um I'd be like sitting there rubbing and rolling and he's like my stomach would just be tore up because that was one of my Mm -hmm. things with anxiety. My stomach was just always tore up and like I wouldn't eat after like before counseling or after counseling. And then I'd drink like five cups of coffee, which made it worse. So it was like, you could just hear my constant, the rumbling of my stomach, like how crazy it was. And I'd like sweat through my clothes and onto the couch and it was Mm -hmm. disgusting. And I tried to, you know, I tried to clean up every counseling session (laughs) that we left and I'm like, like, could you put a fan sorry. on? Could you put a fan on your you need one on of those your little pillow? handheld yeah. fans just to yeah. hold on yourself? So, um, did it get better though? Like as you oh, were, yeah, yeah. like you weren't that anxious. Yeah, yeah, as it you definitely got, did. Started getting through it. Um, probably, I would say probably six months. Like each time, um, each time that we went, it got a little better. But it probably wasn't until about six to eight months, maybe even a year before I 
before I was comfortable going. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think the thing about it was, um, you know, counseling is a, a safe place for you to say things. And for Jason, he didn't always feel safe to say his, say what he wanted to, mm-hmm. to, um, because it might would cause me to, um, a, a term was stonewall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it might cause me to freeze up or mm-hmm. ca- trigger me. Um, and so he was trying to be very careful and guarded with the things that he would say. And so sometimes those things he would let his guard down and he would just kind of say how he felt, um, in counseling because it's a safe place. And it was, it was good for both of us because even though those things are hard to hear, like you have to know how your spouse is feeling and thinking. You have to get it out. um, Yeah. You have to get it out. And so, you know, he, he used to be, um, he was very frustrated with me with good reason. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, as, as we began to have these hard conversations, um, I mean, I could see that frustration leaving. And so that's a, you know, made a safer space for me, Mm -hmm. um, in our marriage to have conversations, to talk about the hard things. And, um, it was still hard for me, but it was something that, uh, was able to easily work through and yeah and get to so we kind of got to a place in our marriage counseling though that um like there were a few times that we kind of got to like you know like if you think you're running a race like you got to these hurdles that you didn't mm-hmm. think you could jump over or yeah. um or like you think of an obstacle course like you think of the wall you have to climb up and um so there were a few times in our marriage counseling that um we kind of got to those walls Mm -hmm. and it was something that I was going to have to work through. So kind of the last wall that we got to was I needed to work through some of my personal stuff that Mm -hmm. didn't involve Jason, but it did involve like how I reacted to things. So, um, I started to see a personal counselor myself, Mm -hmm. um, which, which people have told me is really weird that we started with marriage counseling first. Yeah. uh, And then I did personal counseling, but it was so good for us because, had we not did the work together in our marriage, I don't know that we would have, I don't know that I would have felt that safe space to share and discuss my personal counseling with Jason. Mm. And a lot of the personal stuff um, has been good for me and for him so that he knows like where I'm coming from Mm -hmm. um, with, with some of my reaction to things and why I do the things I do. So, yeah. So you kind of built that or rebuilt the foundation of yeah, absolutely. trust. Not that yeah. you didn't trust one another, yeah. but on a really deep level. Yeah. So that now you feel like you can share or you felt like you yeah. could share all of those other Yeah, it was really parts. So through your counseling, both personal and marriage counseling, what what have you learned about God and his character through this evolution oh, of gosh. learning about yourself um, and your marriage? So a big thing that I realized when we first started so it goes back before marriage counseling. Like after we had Benjamin, you know, Benjamin has some, um, has some medical issues, um, some medical diagnoses. And, um, I think after we had him and I realized I wasn't in control of things Mm, yeah, and especially my marriage, you know, um, with our marriage, having difficult seasons and having, you know, um, I kind of, that's why I said faith crosses earlier. Like as I started to, um, as I started to slow down, because mm-hmm. in order to work on my marriage, I had to slow down and stop doing some things because yeah. I had to make my family a priority yeah. instead of ministry. Um, and I and I was listening and I was um, 
learning from a lot of good Christian people through podcasts that um, there are good yeses and there's bad, you know, there, there can be bad yeses yeah. in ministry uh, and doing stuff. And um, so I kind of, when I, when I started, when we started doing marriage counseling, I, Jason was already at a place where he, um, where he was gr- kind of growing and we had always kind of been on the same spiritual maturity level and stuff. Um, or, you know, if he was a little ahead of me, I'm a couple, you know, a couple steps behind him or whatever. But yeah. so he had been at this place for a year or two and we just couldn't really talk about it because, um, that really, um, it would shake the foundation of our, um, security in our church. Yeah. Uh, which had been our home, you know, Mm -hmm. for several years. And um, so when we started marriage counseling, um, I was introduced a couple months before marriage counseling. I was introduced to, um, to Jenny Allen. She's a Christian, um, Christian author, teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, She's um, founder of if gathering. And um, I went to the if gathering that first time in 2016. And so this is a month after, you know, it's, it's always the first weekend in February or second weekend in February, however it falls. But so we had started marriage counseling the middle of January and I went to if gathering and, um, I just remember I cried for days after if gathering. I mean, I went to marriage counseling the morning, the Friday of if, if gathering. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of cried like it was a whole all day. weekend. Like <laughs> it was a whole day. Like I probably should not have done that, but I really think that that's what God intended because it like just broke me. Shake you it up. It broke me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's like, it took me back to the basics, to the foundation of my faith. And, um, so through all that, I mean, we're almost four years into, this journey of, of fixing Heather, <laughs> fixing Heather. Um, I've, I learned that I didn't fully trust in God. Um, and that was something I wasn't aware of before, mm-hmm. um, which is really crazy. I've become much more self-aware of myself and my, you know, because I had to get back in touch with myself and my yeah. feelings. And, um, I, just because of some things in my past, like, um, I didn't trust God because, you know, I prayed and asked God to intervene in situations growing up yeah. um, or to change them, and he didn't. And mm-hmm. um, so I guess kind of in the back of my mind, that was kind of like I still went to church and I did all the church stuff and I mm-hmm. went through the motions of everything. And I said, you know, quoted all the scripture, trust the Lord with all your heart. You know, I did all of that, um, but I just, it kind of, um, it's it's like God really just allowed. It's like God just I opened the curtain to that disbelief, to that um, or to that untrust that um, I had had with God, and um, it really shook me. It really. Yeah. It sounds like you almost didn't have like the framework, yeah, built in to even know how to approach that those yeah. big things in your life, those big hurdles or the yeah. curtain of disbelief. Um, so it was really hard. So I'm, so I was trying to work on my marriage. Um, and at the same time, like my faith foundation was mm-hmm. just, it was got all a big old, up got once. a big old crack in it, you know? Yeah. And, um, it was scary. Yeah. Um, so through all that, we kind of, we had had several conversations and, um, we just, um, we knew some things needed to change. Um, 
I kind of, he kind of stepped back and started saying no more to ministry things so mm-hmm. that we could focus on our family. And I did too. And that was really hard for me because, yeah. um, I'd went like all in doing all year, the things for years, mm-hmm. doing all the things and, you know, doing youth ministry. I was at basketball games and football games mm-hmm. and proms and yeah took kids to get their hair done for prom and I was doing sleepovers and campouts and I was doing all these things and I had to just I had to kind of just stop all of a sudden Mm. doing that um was that hard because did you feel almost like this won't survive without me yeah yeah I even had people tell me that Mm. and that was really hard because for years I had had um I know people did it in a loving way. Mm-hmm. Oh, so much love. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it was so loving. But um, when you are a people pleaser, and that's what I've always been, mm-hmm. um, because I didn't want to lose you a hurt relationship. Yeah, I didn't want the conflict. Mm-hmm. I wanted to avoid it. And I just wanted to help people. And I truly do love to help people. Yeah. Um, but the, but at the, at the expense of hurting myself and hurting my family. Yeah. Um, and so it was really hard for me. Um, because I had I had moms and grandmas coming up to, up to me thanking me each week. Thank you for mm-hmm. doing this for my kids, and you know they don't have anybody else. And I almost felt like that you know I was going I, like for me I wanted to be that person that I needed when I was a teenager. Yeah. But I think I almost like took it a, too far and didn't even realize it, thinking I was gonna I was gonna save them. You're their savior. I was gonna be their savior, and I was gonna. And um, it wasn't until I was a couple, like a year, probably a year or so into ministry or ministry counseling um, that I realized that. Mm. And it just, um, I had such a hard time with it because I know the work that I did in the ministry was fruitful. Yeah. It still is to this day. It wasn't bad stuff. It wasn't bad stuff. But at the same time, I know how bad it hurt me and how bad it hurt my marriage. Mm -hmm. And... um, it, I still feel conflicted to this day. And, you know, Jason has been so, you know, I've said it before, he's so loving and forgiving. And he, every time I say that or think that, he just reminds me, you know, and tries, tries to affirm me and reassure me that, you know, the work you did was very fruitful and you right. did so much good for the Lord. And um, those kids will never forget that. Mm-hmm. And But it's still hard for me because um, it's like my blinders were taken off too. Yeah. Like, I, you know, that was, you know, I that's didn't hard. have good boundaries. Yeah. I didn't have boundaries. I've never had good boundaries. And um, and did counseling help you learn how to set boundaries yeah, or even see them? Yeah. It, counseling definitely helped me um, to see, in marriage counseling, helped me yeah. to see the boundaries. Um, you know, my, for, my first priority, I believe, um, what God wants me to do, He wants me to, one, be a, a good follower and servant to Him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, he's given me my husband and my child, and I need to be a good wife and mother. Yeah. Like, that's, like, that's also how I can show people the love of Jesus. Right. It's by taking care of what God has given me. Um, you know, I can't minister well to other people and take care of the needs of other people if I'm not doing that for myself and in my home. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, not hard because I love my family, but... Um, it's hard to see it in that light because you it think is, you're... yeah, yeah. And then you know, and then you kind of, um, you know, if I go out and I have lunch or dinner with this friend who I know needs me, who needs to talk, yeah, I'm taking time away from my family to do right. that. And um, so it's kind of, 
especially the last few years where Benjamin's older um, and Jason and I actually like each other. And um, he would he would laugh at that, too. It's okay. We used to not like each other, and that's okay. Sometimes we still don't. But um, for the most part, we really, you know, we really have the last few years have loved like just getting to know each other better and growing our relationship. And Mm -hmm. um, it's been so good for us. Um, Just so good for us. So, yeah, that's good. So as you were kind of stepping back from Mm -hmm. doing some of the ministry stuff that you were doing, because you were so loaded with all the things you were doing, not only did you step away from serving, but you ended up almost stepping away altogether and entering a whole new season as ministry as a couple, right? Yeah, kind yeah. of, was that kind of around the same time? Yeah. Um, so we had started, I don't even know what year it is. Um, we had started in 2000, before 2018. So probably 2017, we had started talking about how both of us, um, as individuals and even as, a even in our family unit, um, how what we were doing wasn't going to work anymore. Mm-hmm. It wasn't what we wanted for our family. Um, and that was really hard because mm-hmm. um, I'd let my identity get wrapped up in my teen ministry. We both had. I think yeah. our, both of our, our identities had kind of gotten wrapped up into where we were at and the work we were doing. And um, it was really hard for me because, um, you know, we had, we had, we didn't have, we hadn't purchased our first home yet. And I remember, um, Oh, I remember because it's so, it was just so ugly and it, it shouldn't have been ugly, but, you know, we started talking about where we were going to buy a house and what school Benjamin would go to. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I could think of, and this was probably like six months into marriage counseling. The only thing I could think of was leaving our church like that for me. Um, I had found a lot of security in our church, Mm um, now looking back, I know that my security should have been in Jesus. It was misplaced. Yeah, it was misplaced. Like, I, and I've done that for a long time. Like, I mm-hmm. misplaced where where my identity and where my security should be found in. And, um, like, I just remember sitting at our kitchen table, and it was so ugly. Like, I'm embarrassed to even say it now, but I just, um, we were talking about, like, where we were going to go, and I just had to cover my face because I was making such ugly cry faces, <laughs> like, sobbing. Like, I don't want to leave our church. Like, these yeah. are our people. These are the people who are going to help us raise Benjamin. And they right. had, they had, oh, my gosh, they our people had loved us so well, and they yeah. had taken care of us so I mean, that was your community. I mean, that was our, those were our people. I mm-hmm. mean, um, in a sense, I mean, they were there for us more than our families were, our biological families. And um, so it was really hard. But um, after we had done some more work and I had done more personal work um, in my relationship with God, because I had to start my work and my, re- my personal relationship with God before I even got to go to personal counseling. Yeah. Um, so God just really started working in my heart. And um, I remember having a few, like, just hard conversations with God, just, like, laying on the floor and just cry, ugly yeah. crying and acting like a fool. And um, when we when we decided to start looking for a house and stuff, it was so easy. Yeah. God just really gave me a piece about it, and which was probably really confusing for Jason. And he probably, like, second-guessed everything. Like, is she going to, like, just in five years tell me she hates where we're at and yeah. she resents everything because I'd never, I'd never been at peace about something the way I was about, um, about the change that our family needed. 
Hmm. And I know that that was a, a piece from God because, oh, for sure. um, you know, six months before that I was at the table, like yeah. about to crawl up and die on the table cause I yeah. didn't want to, I didn't want to leave that place. So, um, yeah, it that's was part of his kindness kind of showing like, yeah, Heather, I've got you. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that was, so it was really, it was really rough, like faith wise and just relationship wise with God, because I was struggling and I still struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, I still struggle to trust him and to give things over to him and to surrender things to him because, you know, I'm human and I like to, mm-hmm. I, I like to know what's going to happen. Yeah. I to think prepare that's, myself mm-hmm. for it. Um, and that, that's from the trauma of my childhood and, mm-hmm. But, you know, there's a lot of people like that. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't, you know, we don't like giving phone calls or knocks on the door that tell, you know, that that tell us things we don't want to hear. And that's kind of how my my childhood was. And um, and so I just kind of carried that into my into being an adult and how I did life with my family. And um, I kind of had to just. I don't know, go back to the basics, go back to the beginning of what family is and what marriage is and what being a mom is and being a follower of Jesus. Mm -hmm. I mean, good grief. I I was raised in church. You know, Jason was a pastor and we had done all the ministry, but I had to go back to the basics for myself. Mm -hmm, Because you got lost in the doing of it. I did. I got, I got too wrapped up in it and I let my identity become my ministry instead of, um, and I, you know, I heard on a podcast, um, because I, I really got into listen listening to different women um, who were in ministry. Yeah. Um, Jenny Allen, I mean, good grief. I, um, I love me some Jenny. I know. She just wrecked me pretty much. <laughs> Daggone Jenny Jenny, Allen. if you're ever listening. Yeah, you, you wrecked me in the best way possible. And I know that you would say it wasn't you. It was God. And it was. God was just using you to mm-hmm. wreck me, especially that if 2016 you wrecked me in the best way possible but um like I still could cry thinking about it but um it was it was just good it was a good um and that you know like, I think that's why I'm loving uh doing doing me some gardening right now because mm-hmm. I'm going back and I'm tilling up this old dry hurt dirt and yeah. I'm trying to plant something new in it mm. and I'm trying to grow it and um so in doing that, I've had to get some new tools and new resources to grow me. And yeah, in doing in doing the personal counseling, you know, I had to I had to be real with myself about my family history with mental illness, mm-hmm. and um, I had to go get some help from my doctor. Um, yeah, with medication yeah. for my anxiety and stuff. And um, it's been good. It's mm-hmm. you know, there's still there's still rough, and it's a times. slow process too. It Just is, like gardening, yeah. you don't plant yeah. the seed and, and then it, tomorrow yeah, you have the plant. Yeah, yeah. It's you have to prune it and take care of it. And uh-huh. if you don't do all the things that you're supposed to, it'll die. Yeah, um, it doesn't produce. Yeah. Um, so it's been gardening has been very therapeutic for me, and it's also teaching me, you know just to trust God. I mean, mm-hmm. I pretty much have to trust God to grow my plants when I grow them on my back porch. Cause you know, I forget to water, forget to water them. Yeah. They get overwatered. Yeah. I mean, bugs get on them. Benjamin like picks his nose and touches them. <laughs> I mean, just all kinds of stuff, you know, <laughs> just all kinds of stuff happens. Um, and he's still growing those plants. And he's still growing them and they're growing good, you know? And, um, so it's, it's yeah. been, I think that, um, you know, all this talk about, 
throwing ourselves in ministry and doing so many things. And I think this is so easy for women in particular. Yeah. Because we, I mean, we are caretakers. Absolutely, We yeah. want to, for the most part, be busy doing something, whether it is ministry, whether it's your job, yeah. being a mom. I mean, you can easily throw yourself into um, being a mom in a way that's unhealthy, just Absolutely, in the way yeah. that you're it's talking so dangerous. about ministry. It's so dangerous. Yeah. yeah. And so I've kind of gone through that as well when it comes to, um, more similar to you when it comes to ministry yeah. and work. And so I had to come to a point where, um, I remember I heard this and I'll never forget it. And I ha- I use this as like a measuring stick for myself when I start to feel myself getting, um, too far into something or too anxious into something. I have to stop and ask myself, who gets the glory out of what I'm doing? Is it me? Yeah. Or is it God? Yeah. And that's what, that's where I was when mm-hmm. I was doing teen ministry, you know, um, like I, in my mind, I thought I was doing it for God, but I was the one being praised for it. You were getting the praise. Yeah, I was getting the praise. And, and that can be intoxicating. It can. Yeah. So, you know, when we, when we had left our church where I had slowed down and started doing things for me and for my family and for the, you know, most importantly for the Lord, I was so burnt out. Yeah. Did it make you not want to do anything when you came to start yeah. at New Heights? Yeah. Like you just wanted to hang out and be a churchgoer for a yeah, little while? We, we did. We did do That's that. Um, I think we did that. I think I did that for about eight months. Yeah. Which was really probably needed for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's good doing ministry, all these good things, but when you're, when your family is what you're putting at stake for it, um, your family unit, yeah. I don't think that honors God. No, not the, at all. The, the ministry and the work that you're doing, I don't think that is honoring to God, and I don't mm-hmm. think he's pleased with that. No. Um, so that was, I mean, that took us a couple of years to get to, and, yeah. um, and we're still like, I, you know, I've started to do some things ministry-wise in, in our church. We've been there a little over a year, and um, I'm still trying to draw boundary lines yeah. because and, and manage and juggle to where I'm not taking away from my family. Yeah, that's hard to do. And I'm still trying to work on me personally, um, you know, carving out an hour or two on Saturday mornings for yoga mm-hmm. when I know it's taken away from my family, but it's so good but for it's my good for mental and physical health. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's learning boundaries, learning how and what and when, and, um, and just being in communication with God, like having, having an open relationship, like even in the last few years, like even when I was struggling, like just saying, God, I don't understand this. I don't like this. Like just being able to say that to him is huge. And so just keeping all of it inside. Well, thank you so much for sharing today and for joining me. Thank you for having me. Um, my little podcast extraordinaire expert. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks. Thanks for being here. Episode four. Um, I know that this show will be really encouraging for a lot of ladies. And I, I know that you've been such an encouragement to me. And I'm so thankful that we've become oh, friends. Well, I'm so thankful for that, too. Thanks for not being scared off the first time we had coffee. And oh, thank like, you for not being scared. I was oh, like, gosh, no. listen, I'll stay here all day. I know. I yeah. was like, we both, I think we both were like, okay, we really have to like, go to work Like, we have now. to actually like, go to We work. have to Yeah, go it's to like 11 office. o'clock. Like, we yeah. have to go do something. Yeah. But no, I, um, I'm really excited for the things you're doing in ministry, too. Thank you for all that you're doing. Yeah. Thank you. Being a great leader and mentor and yeah, leading the way for a lot of women. Well, too. thank you. I'm passionate about it, so I'm glad to I'm glad to be doing it alongside ladies like you. So 
Thanks again for joining me. Thank you, friend. See you later.